Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 20th episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and thank you so much for sticking with me over the last 20 episodes. It has been so much fun and so rewarding doing this podcast, but thank you for sticking with me through some of like really bad editing mistakes and really bad recording hiccups. And I just really appreciate you all. So let's get to our for our guest co-host this week. My guest co-host is a former local news reporter and a true Florida girl hailing all the way from Miami. My guest co-host this week is Rachel Ellis. Hello, Rachel. How's it going? Hey, Liam. How's it going? I'm I'm doing well. I'm so excited to be on your podcast this week. Oh, I am so excited that you're here. And I have feel like I've been seen you in so long so it's so good to see you it's a it's a grand reunion yeah it sure is it really really is so rachel is another one of my former student journalism colleagues we first met at elon university in elon north carolina tbt where we were also like co-anchors together too for our morning student newscast like way back in the day rachel liam so many memories countless hours in that newsroom i mean thinking back it's really where we where we spent our four years day in and day out um, I, I have such fond memories of my time at ENN and especially anchoring, um, ELN morning together. And those early wake ups were always just so worth it. Yeah. And like we were just talking about, like we both did mornings on, like in our like full time, like, like big boy and big girl jobs. And like, and I do remember like having a really hard time waking up for that 8 a.m. wake up call. And yet, like, then like it was like my job to wake up at like four o'clock in the morning <laughs> for like several like months so that's like great it was it was a little different I think there were many times yeah. throughout uh you know my time as a morning reporter that I was probably uh you know waking up just naturally with my biological <laughs> clock and how oh, it gosh. shifted with the mornings around like you know 6 30 a.m on a Saturday and getting up at eight o'clock for the morning show in college was like pulling teeth so <laughs> yeah how times have changed <laughs> oh how times have changed so Rachel let's like transition over to our wine of the week so this week we are drinking Underwood's Rosé and Rachel I do have to say like my logic behind picking like this wine this week is simply because like I wanted to drink a rosé so it's from Oregon and has notes of peach honeysuckle and white strawberry so what do we say we like crack this bad boy open absolutely delicious let's go for it it is summer after all Rosé. It sure is. Rosé season. It sure is, you know, and, you know, rosé all day. And I also, like, it's been getting so much warmer the last, like, few weeks in Chattanooga. And so I'm just like, yeah, like, rosé feels like a really good idea. But also, Oregon, like, I've never heard of a, like, like Oregon being, like, a wine country. I guess, like, anywhere technically could be, but it's just, like, I don't know. I just, I think of, like, you know, West Coast wines, I obviously think of California. I Absolutely. don't think of Oregon. Same, yeah. same here. I'm excited to, you know, see see what the the verdict is on this Oregon yeah. wine because, I mean, I'm all about rosé. So any opportunity to like yeah. indulge and talk about rosé, especially now that it's, <laughs> yeah, it's almost summer, it's so exciting. Like walking around, so seeing people sipping on the rosé and being like, we've yeah. transitioned from the red wine. It's summertime, right, right? It's all about the season, seasonal wines, Absolutely. and like rosé, like summer equals rosé season. So Rachel, cheers to you. Thank you so much for cheers, coming Liam. On this Thanks for having me so excited okay and rachel i do have like a little bit of a surprise oh, for you so, oh boy oh <laughs> yeah. boy so uh, you want to go for it because like i 
Instagram. Like I couldn't stop laughing about this the other day, and I think you're gonna. I think you. I feel like you probably know what I'm where I'm going with this. I have like but, a few things I'm um, I'm tossing around upstairs right now, but I I'm I'm curious. I'm very curious. I I couldn't breathe when I finally found this. Okay, so Rachel, I went like way back because when I was just reminiscing about our college journalism days, one moment, <laughs> one moment popped out in my brain. And I just had to play it on this podcast now that you're here. So are you ready for this? Oh gosh, holding on tight. I'm ready. Okay, let's go for it. <laughs> Welcome back to ELN Morning. Uh, so Rachel, tell me a little about how you did. Liam and Rachel. <laughs> Liam, I've had a rough morning. <laughs> I've had a rough morning. You know, we know those Elon squirrels are absolutely crazy, yeah. but one came up, hit me in the stomach. Yeah. They tell you these Elon squirrels, they have a mind yeah. of their own, they're absolutely crazy, but it happens. Yeah, they're so, a little traumatized. So, yeah, I'm a little traumatized, but I'm finally, I'm, in, I'm happy now, I'm okay. <laughs> oh my god. Well, the good news is, <laughs> squirrels outside on Citroen Plaza, but we do have Maya Eaglin with some more weathers and our, uh, more details on our... What a transition, though. We landed on our feet. We landed right on our feet gold wait okay so i also have to like like because i was remembering like we thought that was so good like right before we were doing that and everyone behind the behind behind the scenes was like move on like get this out of our tv screen literally what i was thinking right now like we knew at the time like i knew at the time what i was saying was just like just completely ridiculous and out there as as you know as as one does um but i think i probably thought it was a good transition and like i'm sure i was like yeah we we definitely did (laughs) we killed that cross we think it was a good transition (laughs) we thought it was a great transition rachel we were like yeah we're like you know we're like let's like let's go for it like yeah rachel's got it got a squirrel like let's like launch at her stomach today like let's go for that it'd be great weather cross dog like no it wasn't (laughs) Let's go out to Armaya Eaglin, who's outside with the weather. Yeah. Maya, oh, and, and you so know, tough. I also so I was tough. dying because like Maya did not have an IFB in, so like I'm just like she has no idea what just happened. Like right before that, man. Oh, that man. is that is. Thank that you good. for blessing me with so that video known. because I th- th- uh, and I and I can attest that that took you like that was some re- heavy research oh, because those deep. like individual clips are so hard oh, to find. Yeah. Those like yeah. little nuggets, those gold nuggets from mm-hmm. from Elon Morning. So Whew. amazing, man! Hysterical. Thank you, Thank Thank you for you. the laughs. I'm gonna send that to everyone yes, I know welcome. now. <laughs> I needed that. I needed that for sure. Me too. Oh man, I Rachel, I was dying when I found that. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, let's <laughs> my serious face. Oh man, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, Rachel, Oof. I think that we should take a little bit of a hard transition and go right into our story of the week. What do you think? Absolutely. Let's dive right in. The story I want to tell you this week is a reminder that love should never make you feel hurt or scared, and it certainly never should cost you your life. A young woman with ambition and her entire life ahead of her to make those dreams come true sees all of the signs of an unhealthy and toxic relationship, but is blinded by the love she thought she was feeling in between. Today, I want to tell you the story of Emma Walker and the holes in the wall. (laughs) 
On November 21st, 2016, around 6 in the morning, Emma Walker's mother goes into Emma's bedroom to wake her up for school. Emma went to bed pretty late the night before, around midnight, so she wanted to make sure that she wasn't going to accidentally sleep in like any mom, good mom would. So she goes into Emma's room and gently tries to shake Emma awake, but she doesn't stir at all. So she shakes her a little bit more, whispering her name gently, trying to wake her up, but she still isn't moving. A few moments later, and Emma's mother realizes that something is definitely wrong with Emma. She's not responding to her at all, and she checks her pulse to find out that there is none, and she immediately calls police. When police arrive, they find the same scene that Emma's mom discovered, this beautiful, blonde young woman tucked in her bed, appearing to be in a deep sleep, but instead of being asleep, she's there, lifeless, dead. Emma has no known medical conditions that would cause her to die in the middle of the night, and so police originally believe that Emma may have taken her own life. But the more that they look around her room, the less sense that seems to make. There are no pills around that she may have used to overdose, and no major method of suicide sticks out, like, at all. Like, there aren't any major injuries that investigators would typically see to trigger a manner of death of suicide. Jeez, um... Liam, that's devastating. Um, I I have mm. so many thoughts. The fact that there aren't any wounds or any sort of immediate triggers that suggest she harmed herself or was physically harmed, like yeah. um, by another person, makes me think maybe she was poisoned. Yeah, well, it's kind of complicated, and also like no visible wounds. So no visible we're wounds. Get there in just okay. A second. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Let me let me clarify. I should should have should have specified no visible okay. wounds. Yeah, well, and it's really easy to do that because, and again, you're going to see why that's like, it's really kind of bizarre. Um, so hold that thought. Definitely hold okay. that thought because you're onto something there. Okay. Definitely. Thought for sure. Held. <laughs> well, so they keep looking around the room and that's when they notice a small hole in the wall right next to her bed. And Emma's bed is kind of like catty corner right up against two walls in her bedroom. So kind of like if you would imagine, Rachel, like the head of the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the headboard of the bed is kind of like in the corner and like that's where she's sleeping every night, right? And that hole just looks odd. It's fresh. And then they look around even more and notice a second hole. And that's when they take a closer look at Emma's body. And they notice a small, but clearly lethal bullet wound right behind her left ear. And immediately it is clear that Emma died from that gunshot wound. And that uh, gunshot must have come right through one of those holes in the wall. Wow. Okay. Well, I retract what I previously said. Um, Really scary. Curious how and when this occurred in this this bedroom. Yeah, like a little weird, but like the most bizarre part of this whole thing, at least to me, is when they move Emma, they find the smallest amount of blood on her pillow near where her left ear was. And it's kind of hard to for me to imagine that a bullet wound to the head could only have produced like an amount of blood that was initially overlooked by not only Emma's mom, who like obviously knows that room so well and also knows Emma so well, but also to trained investigators. So That, I think, is odd, but I guess that is what it is. Agreed. I mean, that's what was standing out to me as well. How are we looking at a small amount of blood when we have a potential gunshot wound to the head? Yeah, right to the head. So outside of the house, and I mean right outside of Emma's bedroom, police find even more evidence of this targeted shooting. They find two spent shell casings and one live round in their yard. 
So do you think it was like a drive-by shooting or an accident? Well, not exactly. In fact, Emma's mother knows it was no accident. To her, it screams a targeted attack because the way the bullet holes are angled, whoever did this had to know exactly where Emma would be sleeping and exactly where she would have had her head positioned. Whoever fired those shots had to know exactly where Emma slept every single night, and she has a really good idea of who killed her little girl. She tells police that she is confident it was Emma's ex-boyfriend that shot Emma through the wall twice. And she knows that because of what happened between them over the last few weeks. Okay, so what happened? Well, let's go back a bit, Rachel, first, because the beginning of this so-called teen romance is just as strange as how it ends. Our story this week truly begins right up the road from where I am right now, in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is where Emma and her family live, and in 2016, Emma really seemed like this all-American girl, almost out of a movie. Emma was 16 at the time and truly had everything going for her. She was an honor student, volunteered at the local animal shelter, had dreams of becoming a NICU nurse, and was on her high school's cheerleading team. And again, just like in the movies, she was dating a boy on the football team. Riley Gall was two years ahead of her in school. When Emma met Riley, he was a junior and she was a freshman. Friends say Riley wasn't just some dumb, typical jock. He was a funny, intelligent, and charming young man who loved video games, and he was a little nerdy, too. Emma's parents at first really liked Riley. They found him kind and well-mannered and saw him treating Emma really well, and their daughter was happy, so what issues could they really have with him, right? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a picture-perfect Cinderella love story right there. Or high school romance. Yeah, and if you, like, look at them, too, like, I mean, they are, like, like you know, again, you say picture perfect. I mean, they looked like every single, mm-hmm. like, couple in high school, right, that, like, everyone wanted to be. Like, everyone was envious of them. Like, you you, you just know it. Um, And so, yeah, so it's kind of, I mean, again, like, I know the rest of the story, so it makes me, like, extra sad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously, we know, like, how it all ends. And so, like, it's kind of upsetting. But Mm -hmm. a bit into Emma and Riley's relationship, some red flags start to pop up. For starters, it's the story that Emma's friends start sharing about Emma and Riley's relationship. They say that when Riley met Emma, he already had another girlfriend. Hmm. Um, That's definitely a red flag right there. Mm -hmm. Um, And something that... like biggest one. Biggest one. And something, you know, why was he getting involved with with Emma. Yeah, so instead of breaking up with that girl to date Emma like, you know, any normal person would, he just continues to date the both of them. Riley apparently promised Emma that he would break up with the other girl at some point, but he never did. Instead, he devised this plan to take both girls to their high school prom. Riley would take this other girl to prom his junior year, since apparently they had already planned to do that, and then Riley would take Emma to prom his senior year. Emma, like, wasn't totally okay with this plan, but her friends told Dateline that she went along with it because, you know, she still really liked Riley, and he was nice to her, and he figured he would do the right thing eventually. Or uh, maybe she had hope, Mm. you know, or or faith that he would. Yeah, and like, you know, again, we go back to like, you know, picture-perfect relationship, right? I mean, like, she's like a very pretty girl, but he's also like a very, uh, for an 18-year-old, I suppose, like, you know, a very attractive Mm -hmm. young man. And so, yeah, I could see, I guess, you know, how this girl, like, again, like, very nice to her, you know, like, like, I can see how he 
he like you know could have like enthralled her and like she just wanted to be in this relationship because everything felt mm-hmm. right right and like that's like it felt like it was going in the right direction there was just like this minor i guess speed bump that to over for the, for the relationship to overcome um but you know it's never that simple right never that simple yeah and so as emma and riley's relationship progressed it got more and more toxic emma's friends told dateline that riley had become more and more controlling of her they said he wouldn't let her do certain things and wouldn't let her hang out with certain people without him and she didn't like this side of him but she still loved him and went along with his demands for that reason assuming that that was how he showed her just how much he cared for her. The couple was constantly fighting, though, and constantly breaking up just for Riley to apologize and beg for her back, telling her that she that he was sorry and he was just angry and loved her dearly. And it was at this point that Emma realized how much she loved the caring, loving side of Riley and not the angry, you know, bad, ugly side of, of him. And she would believe him and take him back over and over and over again. And Rachel, I just feel the need to pause here, right? And say that that is a telltale sign of domestic abuse, especially in teenagers. And, you know, that it just, that is like screaming like all the, all the signs here for me at this point. No, absolutely. And I just keep going back to the fact that this is a a young, young girl, but this is something Mm -hmm. that happens in relationships with people in their 50s or 60s or yeah, 70s. This is absolutely. Um, not just specific to teenage relationships, but, you know, it also tugs the heartstrings um, that much more, of course, in all scenarios, but but especially with a teenager not having yeah. that maybe self-confidence or wherewithal or mm. experience to know that what was exactly yeah. going on. And well, and I was just about to go there too. Like she, pro- like she probably didn't know what a, re- a relationship mm-hmm. was supposed to be like, right? And so that is kind of, yeah, I mean, it, like I guess I could see like if this was like her first relationship, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they dated for like a year or two that like, you know, that she sees like him wanting to be with her all the time as like, oh romance you know it's just i don't know like that is not what it's supposed to be like you know and so it's just it again just like and again i know all this from hindsight but just Mm -hmm. so i can't imagine what she was thinking like in her shoes like at this point um but it's just not it's not right and so you know it can be really easy to miss too right but it's so common among teenagers especially these days as there are more and more ways for people to know what you're doing where you're doing it and who you're doing it with mary cunningham wrote for george mason university that more than a quarter of women and about one in six men reported their first case of domestic violence or toxic relationship behavior before they were 18 mary wrote out out the top 10 signs of domestic violence in teenagers but also like in any kind of relationship like you were saying rachel so i I was wondering if you would be able to read these signs for us that Mary wrote out. Yes, absolutely. Um, so using insult, intimidation, or humiliation, extreme jealousy, insecurity, or controlling behavior, isolation from friends and family, unwanted sexual contact of any kind, explosive temper or unusual moodiness, constantly monitoring social media activities or location, invasions of privacy or showing up unannounced, uh, leaving unwanted items, gifts or flowers, abusing alcohol or drugs or uh, threatening or causing physical violence such as scratches or bruises. Yeah, and I'm just like looking at through these and like mo- like most of these we're going to get to, but like I mean he I mean checks the list on 
almost every single one of these and like maybe even more that like weren't you know made publicly available just so sad so scary and i mean i just just have chills thinking about what she went through yeah and you know we say all of that to say that emma's relationship was showing early and obvious signs that riley was being controlling toward emma and not loving her so if you see these kinds of signs in your own relationship or in a relationship that involves someone you love call the national domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-7233. And we are also going to put that number on our website and in our show notes. Okay, let's get back to the story. So Emma and Riley's relationship was clearly not the healthiest, but it's also easy for us to say that as people who never met Emma or Riley and have the benefit of years worth of hindsight. But Emma's closest friends and family were seeing this too, and they warned Emma that Riley just isn't good for her, and with a healthy and respectful distance, advised her to break up with him and break up with him for good. But it wasn't until Emma's parents find some concerning messages on Emma's phone that they feel the need to step in themselves. Hi, Crime Over Wine listeners. I'm Rachel. And I'm Heather. Now we know how much you love Liam's expert research and professionalism. Over at the Wine Time podcast, you'll get the same expert research, but definitely a lot less professionalism. We cover all things mom, including mom crimes. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. So, Rachel, I do have to say, so, like, this is, like, checking every single box in terms of rosé for me. Um, This is, like, very, very light, very light rosé for sure. And it also has, like, like you know, because I, like, I don't like sweet wines. I don't like not mm. even in rosés. And so this, I've, but I really feel like I could, like, go for this. And the reason I don't like sweet is because, especially with rosés, it sits in my stomach like all sorts of weird. I'm not sure if you can agree with that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's all about to listen, Liam. We're not getting any younger either, so it's like the next, <laughs> yeah, the next day, true. the sweet. It was like sweet mm. wines. It's like. Oh, you feel them. Listen, you feel them a little bit I, more. <laughs> I do remember in high school or in high school in college, like you know, down in the barefoot, and like that was what we went for. Yes. You know what I mean? And so, like, but like, I would wake up the next day and like go to like an eight a.m. class, and like now, like, oh my gosh, like I'm probably gonna be hungover, like on this one glass of wine. Like, who are we, Rachel? No, it it happens so quickly. And speaking of barefoot, yeah. it's like <laughs> that's. You honestly just saying it, I'm like, I, I can't, yeah, I can't even I know, stomach it anymore. Reflex. It's like, oh boy, like the <laughs> so really, true. really mega bottles. Um, but rose, mm. I feel like I transition transitioned to rose post college when, you know, would mm. drink with my roommates, like just hanging out, having a glass of rose. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there's like some at a legal age, of course, at a legal age, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, so it, I agree. I feel like there's like a maturity to a rose, but also yeah. we have to stay away from the really, the really sweet ones that are going to, that are going to yeah. get us the day after. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And, like, I feel like now, like, a good glass of rosé is, like, really great for, like, you know, the brunch with the girls mm, kind of thing. Yeah. And so, like, that's, like, that's really the direction I'm going in. Um, so, yeah. But, like, you know, and I feel like now my wines have, like, a very distinct use. Like, I, like, am, like, sitting at home, like, watching, like, Love is Blind, like, with my little glass of Cabernet. And, like, that's it for me. But, like, you know, out at brunch, like, the rosé is coming out. It's and, like, flowing. you know, I'm going to feel it the next day. Yes. The rosé is flowing. I'm going to feel it, but it's coming out. It so. is rosé all day for reason yeah it is because it's supposed to be during the The day day. and so and drinking it all day (laughs) yeah right exactly the whole bottle safely (laughs) yeah safely all right well let's get back to the story rachel because it's 
mm, that's a like a really like hard turn. So I'm bracing. Mm. I'm bracing for this. It's already yeah. t- tough to tough to hear. Tough to tough to take in. Yeah, it's about to get even tougher. So like you know, brace yourself for sure. Okay. So for one reason or another, Emma's mother looks through Emma's phone one day and finds some truly unhinged messages from Riley via Snapchat, and I mean unhinged. In those messages, Riley appears to be back to his old tricks and of losing his temper and taking it out on Emma, but this time, in an act of aggression none of Emma's friends and family have ever seen from him before. I hate you, Riley says. I hate everything about you. You're dead to me. I'll check the obituary. Fuck you. Goodness. Yeah, that's, those are, uh, those that that language and um the intensity of what he said is definitely a reason for any parent to want to jump in oh yeah i mean like i'll check the obituary like you don't like you don't say that to anybody like let alone no like someone you're supposed to like care about like oh that gives me like gives me chills yeah and especially like like i mean again like knowing what we know now it's like you know that is pretty incriminating you know again like this happens like much 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 earlier on than like you know than the you know where we started the story at but it's still like not a good look you know it's just i don't know just i mean not something you say for like any reason but like specifically like looking back and like from a criminal investigation standpoint like yeah someone who says like i'll check your obituary like yeah you're probably gonna be the first person i look at as like a murder suspect absolutely and you know you think about you know we we both have worked in in the, in the news world. And I think about all the police reports that I've spent time reading. Mm. Um, and there's usually some sort of turning point in the case where there's, you know, you're obviously marked as a suspect, but not only that, it's like there was something unhinged going on here yeah. that, mm. that, you know, that didn't seem right at the time. And especially yeah. doesn't seem right after, you know, we see these different, these various cases unfold. And for me, this is that, yeah. I'll check though, but it, something, something's wrong. Something's not right. Yeah. Well, and it makes me wonder, like, not that it makes it okay, like, for, regardless of what the background is, but, like, I'm wondering, like, what, like, what that fight was about, like, mm-hmm. you know, what was going on, like, in their relationship, but also what was going on with him. Like, was he going through mm-hmm. something? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Again, it doesn't make it right, like, regardless, but it, like, I just, I want to know a little bit more about, like, what was really truly going on behind the scenes besides just these messages. Um, only because I feel like it would give good context to, like, like, if they're fighting about, like something really specific like i don't i just i want to know what the what the trigger was is all definitely and i exactly like it doesn't change the what was said but i would be curious as well like what was this just a yeah what what was this about was it just was it high school drama was it something a little bit more layered than that again doesn't change what was said but just yeah what could possibly propel somebody to say those words to Somebody else, let alone their significant other. Yeah, and I guess I wonder, like, I like the reason I want to know, like, what the background was, was like if, like, like if it just came out of nowhere, if it was like something like really insignificant, and like he's really having like some sort of mental break mm-hmm. at this point, um, because like I think that points you in like one direction, mm-hmm. or if it was like a really intense fight, you know what I mean, and like th- like their relationship was like truly like that kind of intense and toxic, um, or if he really just like had something up there that just like like you know, made him go off 
like again doesn't change it but it 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 just makes me want to know like to like know what more about what their relationship was truly like on the inside absolutely i'm having the same thoughts yeah so as soon as emma's parents see these messages they go to emma about them and they tell her again that riley is not good for her and that this is not what love looks like or what it's supposed to look like they ban him from their house and take away emma's phone to cut off the line of communication with him although apparently riley did not like not being able to getting to get in touch with Emma so he ends up giving her an iPod touch so that they would still be able to talk to each other hmm hmm yeah that's that is also probably maybe something that should not have happened oh yeah yeah oh for sure because that like that screams to me like like not being able to handle like not being able to get in touch with her that much yes yeah Ooh, yeah I, like yeah heebie-jeebies no so mm-hmm. much. So Emma continues to see Riley, and the two finally go to prom together right before Riley graduated from high school. And by the fall, Riley goes off to college about 25 minutes away from their hometown. He continues his football career as the wide receiver at Maryville College. But it wasn't long after that that Emma sees some things that she just doesn't like. She finds some pictures of him with some girls at college around Halloween. And with the physical distance they have, she finally seems to muster the courage courage to end things with him and this time seemingly for good she breaks up with him around halloween okay so she's found the courage it's taken some time i'm curious if this sticks i'm still i'm still hung up on that is this is this for good well, we're about to find out. So Emma finally starts acting like her old self again, according to her parents. She's leaving her room again, eating dinner and socializing with her friends and family. It really starts to feel like they have their little girl back after she was taken away from them by this monstrous young man whose only goal seemed to be to keep the best parts of Emma for himself and to strip away the parts of her that he simply didn't like. But Emma's newly rediscovered freedom seemed to be pretty short-lived. That's because just a few weeks after Emma broke up with him, Riley started taking some pretty drastic measures to get her attention again. On the night of November 18th, just a few weeks after Emma had broken up with Riley, Emma was at a small party at a friend's house. It was about 11.30 at night when Emma starts getting some messages from an anonymous number, and Rachel, once again, I'm hoping that you're going to be able to read what these messages say. Yeah, so that one says... Go to your car with your keys. Go alone. I've got someone you love. If you don't comply, I will hurt them. Um, another explicitly um, incriminating and dangerous response from from Riley. Yeah, well, and well, yeah. So at this point, she doesn't necessarily know that it's from Riley. Yes, so yes. that in mind. So, anonymous number. Anonymous number, but like you're on the right path. So, yeah, so, but pretty much right away, though, Emma has a pretty good feeling that Riley is indeed the person behind these messages, maybe because she has a good hunch, but more than likely, it's because Riley had tried to do something similar before to try to get Emma's attention, right? But this time, it was simply not going to work. She took a group of her friends and walked out of the house to see what was going on, and there, they see Riley face down in a ditch, and that when they walk up to him, he tells them that he had been kidnapped, and hit in the head so he couldn't remember anything about what had just happened to him. Hmm. <laughs> That's fishing itself. Um many, many questions right there. Um yeah, I'm I'm just gonna kind of keep them to myself for now, but how did re- Emma respond to this? 
Yeah, well, she doesn't believe him at all. She knows this is just one of his weird tricks to try and get her to take him back. And she probably has some choice words toward him, tells him to leave, and she and her friends go back and enjoy the rest of their night. But the very next day, things begin to escalate even further. Emma spends the night at her friend's house, and the next day, she's driving back home and sees this man walking down her street. Now, she's kind of side-eyeing him because he's dressed in all black, head to toe, and walking right toward her house. She gets back to her home and locks herself inside, getting this weird feeling about this mysterious man, and her gut instinct is right, because that man walks right up to her house and starts ringing her doorbell over and over and over again. Now, Emma is home alone at this point, and freaked out beyond belief over this strange man. She starts texting all of her friends, terrified, saying she thinks she's about to die. Like, that's how scared she is about this. And at this point, she maybe starts rethinking how she looked at what happened with Riley the night before. Maybe there was really this guy out to scare the crap out of her by any means necessary. So she texts the only person she can think of to come and protect her, and that person is Riley. Her tall, older, football-playing ex-boyfriend, must be able to protect her, right? She texts him saying, I hate you, but I simply need you right now. And he replies saying, I'm coming. I'm speeding. Just give me a minute. And just a few minutes later, there he is to save the day. But by this point, the mysterious guy dressed in all black is gone. Initial thoughts are the the immediacy and like the quick response from Riley is suspicious, mm-hmm. um, especially oh, yeah. given his 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 track record and his history with her. Yeah. And I guess like I could see kind of like both directions of this. Like, sure. Like two nights in a row, like again, someone you're supposed to care about, like, you know, like two nights in a row, like this weird things happen. You know, he swears that, you know, no, Mm -hmm. like this is real. Like this is what's really happening. Like I'm here to protect you. But on the other side of the corn, like he has, like you said, this track record of, you know, really like, insane things to get her attention and to especially especially when they're broken up right and like you know at this point he's clearly just unhinged and like you know really just wanting her back by any means necessary and like he certainly seems like the type of person to like fake a kidnapping and then also show up as a man and dressed in all black like like banging on the door to try to get her attention but i mean I, I, so anyways, I guess I kind of see, like, why she would want mm-hmm. to call him. Like, I see, like, why, like, you know, if you're, if you're that scared and, like, if you're, like, if, if you're, like, like, believing this whole thing, I guess, like, like, it, it can't be worse, right? It, it can't be, like, the, the idea of, like, you know, falling for it can't be worse, hypothetically speaking, right, than, you know, than, you know, the ulterior, which is that there actually is this guy, like, out to get her. Exactly. And at this point, she seems like she's scared for her life. So I'm sure she's grasping mm-hmm. at straws. And, um, you know, and I think there's also an element to even relationships that have abusive, they're abusive in nature. Um, there's still some sort of attachment, I'm sure she still feels to Riley. Yeah. And so that's not mm. going to go over way, go away overnight. So I'm sure she's yeah. still, you know, emotionally leaning on him. And in, in, in this case, like wants his, his protection and backup. So, um, yeah. 
yeah, there's there's a lot at play here. Yeah. Well, let's keep in mind, too, like, they were dating for two years mm-hmm. um, before, mm-hmm. like, at, at this point. So, like, you know, like, that's a long time to be dating, dating somebody, especially when you're, I think she was 16 mm-hmm. at this point. Like, mm-hmm. man, yeah. So, just a little while later, Emma's mom came home and was absolutely furious to see that Riley was at their house. She's yelling, telling Riley to get out. She doesn't care why he's there. He just needs to leave her house and leave her daughter alone. Emma tells her mom what happened that day and the night before, and she levels with her, saying, Emma, that mysterious man in black that was trying to scare her had to be Riley. It's the only thing that makes sense. He is back to his old tricks, trying to scare her into getting back together with him, and clearly his antics had gotten extreme and pretty dangerous. Hmm... So what does Emma think about this? Well, Emma's mother appears to be able to get through to her, and Emma comes to her senses and she cuts off Riley yet again. The next day, Emma's parents are worried that Riley is going to try something extreme again, and so they follow Emma to and from work to make sure that she's safe. That night, Emma apparently had a long fight with Riley, and she blocked his number and also blocked him on all of her social media pages, a sign that she was finally trying to distance herself from him once and for all. Emma goes to sleep around midnight, and shortly after that, Emma's father hears a loud noise. He thinks it sounds like someone was in the house, maybe opened a door and slammed it shut. But he gets out of bed and checks things out. Concerned, he checks on his daughter, who appears to be fast asleep in her bed. Although, we both know now, Rachel, that that was not necessarily the case. As we mentioned, Emma's physical appearance was totally inconspicuous. So her dad goes to check on his son, who also appears to be fast asleep, and he goes back to bed with a clear mind totally unaware that his life that he knew and imagined for himself and for his family was already totally and completely shattered. Devastating. I mean, can you think of anything more traumatizing and awful for a parent? I I can't think of anything. No, and like, man, like this guy, like, I can't imagine how he sleeps at night, you know, again, like in hindsight, you know, because like, if he knew what had just happened, right? I mean, I again, I don't, we don't know for sure. But like, I'm assuming that like the loud noise that he heard was like the gunshots, right? And so like, like, if he knew what had happened, like, I bet you he like, he wouldn't have just gone back to sleep, obviously. I mean, obviously. And so like, I just don't know. <laughs> Like, man, and I hate to even, like, you know, say this only because it sounds so, like, like blamey, and, like, I obviously don't mean to come across that way, but, like, I, I can't imagine how you live with yourself after that, like, like knowing what, like, was right there, like, yes. literally moments away, like, her, like his, his daughter's murderer, you know? Yes, Ugh, and, man. and, and, and I, I think... Yeah, just the, there's just the the idea or the the possibility that the dad could have potentially stepped in and and saved his yeah. daughter's life and yeah, like you said li- living with that or caught the guy yeah. or um yeah, I I I don't know how you you just said it very well. I don't know how you would live with yourself and that's something yeah. that this poor family yeah. are, has already gone through enough and will continue to go through a lot, oh but that's gosh, just another yes. another layer to this for sure. Yeah, seriously, because at least, I mean, and, and, you know, just, like, you know, because I'm sure you feel the same way, like, you know, with your experience, like, you know, I've done, like, a murder or two, right? Like, mm-hmm. in terms of, not, that sounds weird. I've done, I've covered a murder or two, and so, like, um, like, I, like, you know, I, I always talk to the, to the parents, you know, and so they always, like, you know, feel like this, like, a certain level of guilt, mm-hmm. like, even if, like, it's not really warranted, 
And so, like, this just feels like the most, like, you know, tangible example of that, right? And, man, I don't know. I just, I can't even talk about it anymore because it, like, really, like, hurts my heart. It really does. It's awful. And, yeah, I mean, you you, you, know, you hear things that over, overnight, right? Like, I think I, I hear things mm-hmm. out in the street. I hear if, a, yeah. if my neighbor clo- shuts, shuts the door and it's like, oh, okay, you just go to bed. But, you, you know, you don't know right. necessarily exactly what each and every noise is. And for this dad, I'm sure he just thought it was just like any other night. Yeah, well, as we know, it was not any other night. The next morning, Emma's mother found her dead and the most extreme measures that they had ever imagined Riley may have taken had turned into a horrifying reality. Reality. And investigators turned their sights right away on the man who claimed to love Emma more than anyone else. Riley denied having any part of Emma's death. He starts posting on Twitter and Facebook, memorializing her and their relationship. That's my beautiful Emma, he wrote. Rest easy now, sweetheart. And when investigators question him, they initially see exactly what Riley wanted them to see, a grieving boyfriend who truly cared about Emma. Riley tells investigators that Emma breaking up with him had been tearing him apart. And the night Emma died, Riley tells them about that fight they had right before Emma blocked his number. He says that fight had really upset him because he wanted to be with Emma more than anything. After that fight, he tells investigators that he cried in his car for two or three hours outside of his dorm room, 25 minutes away from Emma's house, before he just went inside his dorm and went to bed. But the more investigators speak to him, the more they see a side of him they just didn't like. A side of him that Emma's friends and family had been warning Emma about for two years. They start seeing a dark side of Riley. They find it odd the way Riley is speaking about Emma. Sure, speaking fondly of her and their long relationship, but it's his word choice that really starts to stand out. He's not referring to Emma by name. Instead, he appears to distance himself from Emma and the crime by only referring to her as the girl. It's extremely fishy. Um, And yeah, yeah, I, I think, you know, we've been using the word incriminating. I think that's just another piece of this. It's like, how could you ever reference your um, your ex girlfriend, somebody who you once allegedly loved or had some sort of close yeah. partnership with or relationship with, reference them as the girl after they've died or been yeah. or, you know been brutally been they've been you know allegedly killed. So it's 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 pretty yeah. crazy. I, I yeah, interesting word choice for sure. Definitely interesting word choice, and it just I don't really know how he thinks that that's gonna like go over. Like obviously very circumstantial, right? I mean you can't like put him mm-hmm. away just because he like didn't use her name. Mm-hmm. But, like so this is like this was I thought was really interesting and maybe maybe I'm like off base on this, but like what he wrote on Facebook about her, like rest easy now, sweetheart, like that to me kind of stood out to me only because like I feel like whenever like when someone dies, right? Like I feel like you post all all about on Facebook, like like rest in peace, mm-hmm. like like you know all that, like that kind of word, that kind of word choice. Rest easy seems like that to me stands out as like as like trying to like say that it was a suicide, hmm. like that like that was how I read that because I feel like hmm. whenever I see someone saying rest easy, that's usually like like somebody talking about somebody who had taken their own life. Hmm. So I don't know what what do you think about that because that that that's what stood out to me. No, that that um. That's interesting. That's certainly interesting. I mean, I think it's something to definitely pay attention to. Um, mm. That you saying well, that that was their initial, you, yeah. You saying that the the like is is peaking my yeah. I, I'm curious if he if he's been that intentional in that 
thoughtful in his maneuvers um, post this incident. Yeah. But if that is one of them, I mean, it certainly could be. Yeah. And I never and I never saw like him intentionally say like, yeah, she must have killed herself at any point. But like it's subtle that. Yeah, it's a very subtle. Exactly. And especially considering, again, like what like what we initially thought about Emma, that she may have taken her own life at first. Like maybe he's really trying to play that up as like somebody who like allegedly, you know, probably knew her better than anybody else. You know, like that feels yeah, that just feels like the direction that's going in. But it could be totally off base. Maybe that's truly, he truly just meant, you know, like, you know, like, rest easy, right? Like, you know, rest in peace, like, whatever. Like, that was just the word choice he used. Like, it had no meaning whatsoever. Again, I'm a true crime lover. Like, this is just how my brain thinks about things. But, like, that, I don't know. That's just where my brain went. Yeah, so no, I, I think, I well, also, you being a true crime lover have the experience um, and, like, knowledge base of of some sometimes like how these things happen so you got to pay attention to these little clues that's what investigators do when they're when they're looking as well so could be some there could be something to that for sure yeah so i don't know like let like let us know like if you're listening to this and or like like let us know on our social media pages right into us let us know what you really think about that because i'm really curious to see if other people agree with me or if i'm just like totally off on that so right into us let us know so police go to interview some of Riley's friends who say that Riley has been off since Emma had broken up with him and he has been showing some really concerning behavior, even apparently making a suicide attempt at one point. On November 19th, just two days before Emma died and the day after Riley showed up at Emma's ha- a friend's house claiming to have been kidnapped, Riley's friends tell police that he told them that he was concerned about this alleged kidnapping attempt and he stole Riley. Riley's grandfather's gun in order to protect himself. The suicide attempt had already happened at this point, so Riley's friends are really concerned that he now had a gun, which made him a clear danger to himself and also to others. And just a while later, Riley asks one of his friends if he knew how to get fingerprints off of a gun. I mean, this just keeps getting more and more and more and more um, fishy and sketchy and... um, Uh, not not looking so good for Riley. I mean, asking mm-hmm. how to get fingerprints off of a gun. Yeah, and there's there there really isn't much else to say there. I I just want to leave leave yeah. it at that. Well, I like and like like I'm I don't mean to laugh, but like I do only because it's like such a ridiculous question. I'm like like why do you mean how to get fingerprints off a gun? And also why do you think I know how to do that? Like wipe it down? Like what do you mean? Like I don't really. That's a, like that's just, that's just a weird question to ask your friend like casually, right? Right. right. Well, I'm thinking like, do, do his yeah. friends have experience in like forensics? Like, are we? Is this something? Like, I mean, obviously, you just wipe. I mean, I assume you just wipe down a gun to get rid of the yeah. fingerprints. But like, maybe I mean, maybe there is some sort of way to like really get the residue off or something. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. I mean, I. Yes, like I don't know what a, I mean. I'm a, I have always assumed that a gun is just made out of metal, right? Right. And so, like, I don't really think that there's like any special way. <laughs> but like, also, I don't know. Like, this is Tennessee, and like, you know, we love our guns in here. And so, like, I do wonder, like, if that, like, maybe, like, there are people who just like know that much about it. But like, still, like, like it's just. Like, what, like, why do you need the fingerprints off the gun? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I guess, like, he did just say that he stole it. So, like, okay. But, like. Yeah, like, what kind of crew is he running with? I don't know. I've, I've, I have so many questions as well. Um, and (laughs) 
he just he's digging himself in such a deep hole it's 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 like i'm having a hard time just like taking this in for him yeah but like hard like i'm sorry i really don't mean to laugh but only because i like have a hard time like taking this seriously because like what a ridiculous question to ask like especially again considering that we know that he's now like a suspect in a homicide like like dude like like i'm sorry but bad criminal 101 like that is just not what you like not the 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 track record you want for yourself doesn't right? take the sharpest tool in the shed to figure this one out no. let's 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 just say that yeah. let's just say that <laughs> i feel like i personally feel like if he just like never asked and like never wiped the fingerprints off like it probably would have gone a little bit better for him yeah. but like who knows who knows yeah time will tell maybe yeah (laughs) so if all of this wasn't enough on november 22nd the day after emma died riley asks his friends if they would be able to help him get rid of that gun he says he swears he had nothing to do with emma's death he would never hurt her which is exactly why he wants to get rid of the gun he says that he wanted to get rid of it because he didn't want police to find out that he had it and unfairly connected to Emma's death. Well, the friends agree to go down to the banks of the Tennessee River to help their friend get rid of the gun. Riley brings them to his house to get the gun, and he comes out with a garbage bag. Riley says he just grabbed a full trash bag and put the gun inside. He has no idea what else is inside. But as the friends get to the river, the three of them are talking about how they're going to do this, and as the friends later tell 2020, Riley starts meticulously putting on gloves, and they open the garbage bag to find the gun a 9mm Glock in black clothing, just like the clothes that that mysterious man was wearing just two days before Emma died. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're really putting the, the pieces of this puzzle together here. Um, the whole thing with the garbage bag um, and... <laughs> Riley starts meticulously putting on putting um mm-hmm. on gloves and open the garbage bag to find the gun, a nine millimeter Glock. I mean, it's 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 not looking good for Riley, as I said earlier. No. And um, I why are they tr- why are they why are they trying so hard to get rid of this gun? Why are they wearing gloves? Why why are, like mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of um camaraderie and effort. It's almost like the friends know that something. It's like the elephant in the room, right? Like the friends are kind of just mm-hmm. like. Yeah, like let's let's help this guy, but we know he is um, up to no good. Why are they getting involved? Yeah. Why are they getting involved too? They should not well, be getting involved. That's a crazy part of the story. So hold that thought okay. because it's insane. So okay. pause right there okay. for a second, only because I have to say. So there are a couple more points I need to bring out. So the nine millimeter Glock, the same type of gun that that the that the shell casings outside that match the gun. Yes. So like. That works there. The yes. black clothing that we're talking yep. about here, the same clothing that he was wearing, and, like, just happens to be in the garbage bag that he grabs. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. Like, you know, that was an obvious attempt. Like, the fact that he was just like, oh, yeah, no, whatever. Like, I don't know what's in there. Like, yes, you did. Like, you were trying to get rid of, like, the other evidence that, like, you were stalking her, right? So, yeah. <laughs> careless. Yeah. Careless at this point. So, yeah. So what happens now? Well, the friends are getting ready to ditch this bag when suddenly a swarm of flashing blue lights flood the area. Police are flanking the car at every side and they rush toward them, guns drawn. Whoa. So they knew Riley was going to ditch the gun that night? Yeah, they did. 
And thanks to Riley's friends. They had their suspicions of Riley from the get-go and agreed to help Riley ditch the gun as part of this sting operation involved with the police. The boys were wired, a camera hidden in the boys' key fob to their car, and they were texting police every single step of the way. And as soon as they had their eyes on the gun, they texted police their code word who descended on the car to take Riley into custody. Wow. Plot twist right there. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm feeling a lot <laughs> for just a completely devastating, awful, all of synonymous words uh, to describe this case. I, I, It makes me feel good that at least these friends were um, yeah. on the right side here of trying to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, yeah, I was because I was I was really losing extra faith in this case hearing that the (laughs) friends were also participating in this nonsense so good on good on them for getting involved with the police and doing the right thing yeah and like also like man so like these kids are like 18 right and so i'm like that's really brave of you yeah absolutely at any point like what if he caught caught on like he has a gun like oh my god like terrifying and like also apparently like i think like had like like I saw, um, I believe I'm trying to think of who, what it was. I believe it was Dateline or 2020, um, where they told them that their mom like knew that they were involved in this and like we're doing this sting operation and like oh my god, like I'm not even a parent. Like that just gives me so much anxiety. Like like I can't even imagine. Oh, I just can't even imagine. Like you're literally in the car to go like potentially ditch a gun of like with a with like someone who is probably like just committed murder like literally the day before kids are very these kids are very brave very very brave Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm picturing picturing that you know happening to an adult i'm not really sure how many people would would be willing to put themselves at risk like that so these kids were 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 certainly courageous (laughs) to get involved as much as they did Listen, Rachel, I just want you to understand that if you ever kill somebody, like, I will not be helping you dish the gun, and I will not help you help them put you behind bars. I just want to be so clear about that. Not happening. I do, I do not blame you. I, I, I think that's, <laughs> honestly, like, I, I'm not a really a gun person, so I don't really even want to be around a gun. So, so yeah. you know, I think, yeah. let, a, let alone with somebody who's capable of, of the Isn't unspeakable. Yeah. yeah. No, not good. So, yeah. so, so no well, hard feelings there, Liam. I don't, I, I, I won't, I won't be upset. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> good. I'm glad. I'm glad we'll still be able to move on from that when you're in jail. So. <laughs> So that's when police were able to definitively determine that the clothes in the bag matched the description of that mysterious man and the gun matched the bullet casings found outside of Emma's home. And Riley is charged with first-degree murder, stalking, theft, reckless endangerment, and possession of a firearm during a felony. Some ser- Those were some serious charges. Um, he's yeah. he's um, going to be facing some serious prison time potentially there. And, um, mm. you know, that's... Big time. It's a... Uh, yeah, that that's that's a lot to unpack there, and 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 rightfully so. Yeah, well, and you know what? Because because like again, like like just from from you know our experience, like working in mm-hmm. the field that we do, like I looking at all these like all these charges, and I'm just like, you know, they threw like everything at the, except yep. for the kitchen sink yep. at this man, like you know, and and like you know that like the 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 you know the thought process here is like if we're not going to get him on first yep. degree murder, like we got him on stalking, we got him on theft, like we got him all this stuff, yep. like this man is going to jail for something, absolutely, like, some hell or high water. Yeah, that usually you see these cases, people people who are going to be behind bars for. 
mm-hmm. a very, very long time, potentially for life. Yeah. You see multiple charges at play here. So um, first degree murder was not going to cut it in this case. No. And I was also wondering, so like first, so like the first degree murder charge makes sense, obviously. Stalking makes sense. Theft makes sense. The reckless endangerment charge is interesting to me. I'm wondering what like that like directly ties back to like what evidence they have of that like maybe i mean maybe just stalking like well stalking is a different is a different charge yeah i yeah. i have to look at that a little bit more i'm not sure exactly yeah. how that reckless endangerment is defined by the law but um yeah i mean i would think it would i mean maybe just the fact that he was like firing the gun into the house like like maybe that would like because like that could potentially hurt somebody else or like cause different kind of damage yeah so i think in a definition that i just found um says that reckless endangerment is posing a significant risk of physical harm to others so pretty Mm. broad brush there um but you know another thing i just found the offense of recklessly engaging in conduct that creates a substantial risk of serious physical injury or death to another person so certainly this case would qualify for that but yes interesting that they were able to tack on that charge on top of these others as well Mm. well and I'm wondering, so now I'm thinking, like, maybe it was the fact that he had his, like, asked his friends to, like, help mm-hmm. ditch the gun. Like, even mm-hmm. though they were, like, in on it kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, he mm-hmm. still asked them to do it. Like, that's still a charge. Right point. So, yep. and then, like, ob- like I think possession of a firearm during a felony, I think, is, is pretty obviously, mm-hmm. like, ditching the gun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, you know, keep in mind, this sting operation is carried out just a day after Emma's murder. And now her ex-boyfriend, the man who claimed to love her more than anything in the entire world, was heading toward a trial for murdering her. At his trial, Riley makes a bit of an unusual plea. Instead of denying that he had any involvement in Emma's death, he instead says that he was indeed the person who fired the shots into her house that killed her. But he says he never intended for those shots to kill Emma, he just wanted to scare her. He says that he didn't think the bullets would travel through the wall and into her head, so his lawyer asks for his charges to be lowered to a misdemeanor charge of reckless homicide, which in Tennessee only carries a maximum sentence of 12 years Hmm. so if this is true if that's a true statement which you know we we will never know but um it Mm -hmm. seems to me like well number one we've used the word unhinged a few times in this podcast in this episode and it seems like um riley is in fact unhinged and if he you know quote wanted to scare her i mean let's just put that that's just Unhinged is the only word that I can actually think of in this moment to describe yeah, that. Right. But it's, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's like, um, the backpedaling that he's done. You know, of course, once yeah. he learned that, you know, oh shoot, I actually killed Emma is right. where he mm. starts like, really digging his heels in. And it's almost like this like little yeah. accident. He's like, hasn't been able to take. Not an accident, but this, you know, this action he took that he didn't expect to be escalated to, to the extent that it did. It's like he's now bat, he, he's, he's like, doesn't want to even like take responsibility for, for his actions and instead is just finding others to blame. And it's like, it's, he's he's a he's a liar he's a narcissist like there's there's a lot going on here yeah and like kind of what you um kind of like what you just alluded to there it's like if you like like if this was really the truth to me like like you would have said right off the bat like yeah oh my gosh like i was just trying to scare her like i wasn't trying to kill her like oh my gosh like instead he denied having any part in it so it's like i don't really believe what you're saying because you lied from the beginning anyway so like i don't really 
But, like, I don't know. Like, I guess I could see, like, a world because, like, again, like, he was trying to scare her the whole time. You know what I mean? So it was like, like, okay, sure. Like, maybe, like, that was your intention. But, like, also, I don't care. You know, like, I, like, you still, like, why you, like, why is that even your intention? Like, the fact that you shot, like, fired shots into her house. Like, like, even with the possibility that it could have hurt her, somebody in the house, like, anybody. Like, that, like, I don't really care if that was your intention. Like, like, it was still murder and, like, you still did all these things like you should have done that to begin with absolutely there's no world in which quote scaring somebody with a firearm is acceptable Mm. um so the fact that that's even like his line of thinking (laughs) is just i wish i had the verbiage for it normal to him yeah exactly so normal i was just quote trying to scare her please you know like (laughs) scare me with a i don't know (laughs) pop a balloon if you want to scare me i mean like we're not we're not we're not playing around with, with with guns here with guns, no. yeah, and like a stolen gun at that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, like 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 that to me says first degree, like anything. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like regardless, mm-hmm. like you, like you went out of your way to like even with the possibility of potentially hurting somebody. Yeah. Like you should have known better. Absolutely. And like also, you didn't know that it was going to travel through the house. Like, pff, yeah, please. The, like what the fuck? Like frankly, like <laughs> I'm sorry, but like what did you think was going to happen? I've never. Like we we know that bullets can travel through walls. We know we don't know how thin these walls are. We don't know could yeah. it, it could have flown through a window. I mean, com- just completely irresponsible. Honestly, I just I'm, yeah. I ugh, I'm I'm angry. I'm, I'm angry, angry too, for, Liam. I'm feeling I'm yeah, feeling anger. Yeah. I'm feeling rage. <laughs> <laughs> feeling rage. Uh, seriously. Well, nobody luckily takes the bait on this, and his charges are never lowered. Instead, he is found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. You know, and this is one of these classic examples, right? And we see them a lot in news is it, where there's, you know, you see justice, right? Justice must be served or um, there's some sort of closure or peace for the family when um, the suspect or the person who's being charged in a case is facing the consequences at last. And this is an example of that, right? But at the mm. same time, like Emma yeah. is still dead and her family has to live with the pain yeah. for the rest of their life. And so it's like... Mm-hmm. It's 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 good it's good right um I'm I'm glad yeah. that he was found guilty but at the same time it doesn't really change the outcome yeah, and that's a really good point. Thanks for bringing that up because I just wonder like what like Emma's parents think because like these trials go on so long mm-hmm. right i mean like you have like the preparation for mm-hmm. them and like this is something that she that her parents have to live live through over and over and over and over again probably day and mm-hmm. night and so like I do wonder. Like, and I always wonder, and, like, the, again, this is probably just the cr- true crime lover in me, because, like, the other part of me is, like, I'd never want to even know the answer to this question, but, like, I wonder if, like, when that is finally read, like, that verdict is finally read and he's sentenced to whatever, like, like, does that feel good like does that feel like what does that feel like does it feel relieved like does it feel like because like at the end of the day like you like because like what like what you said like he's gonna go to jail like like that has to feel like a little bit of closure but like you still go home and like emma's still not there exactly you know and so like and you still have to think about like like how could have things gone differently exactly so and and i yeah yeah and i i just just would i would just add that i think the you know, apart from the closure, it's just like the risk to others, right? Is like maybe there's that mm-hmm. semblance of safety or even retaliation. Sure. This is never going yes. to happen to any other girl yes. ever again with Riley. Because, yeah, so because of Riley. Mm-hmm. And even peace 
for the family. I mean, if if this Riley kid has some sort of vengeance, clearly for Emma, like what yeah. else is mm. what else does that look like for the family? So maybe just from like a safety and security standpoint, place for yeah, st- standpoint sure. as well. Um, there's there's a sense of closure there, but um, yeah, no, it really doesn't change. That's really the sad reality for these types of cases. It's like the yeah. like there's never really closure. I don't think that really exists. Yeah. Well, Riley does end up trying to get a new trial, but fails because the judge says there isn't enough evidence to reverse his ruling. So Riley will sit in jail for at least the next 50 years. He will be 71 when he is eligible for parole. Wow. So his life has taken a complete turn, right? And like we think back to what you, how you described him at the beginning of this case, where he was this jock, really good looking. Um, you know, he had a lot going for him. Like I'm sure maybe college was on the horizon. Was he playing sports in college? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he could have had this really fruitful, um, life and Absolutely. he chose mm-hmm. an entirely other path. And you know what? it's a path he chose and it's a path that really altered his life, but it also altered a lot of other people's lives. Um, and so, you know, in my eyes, um, it's a real shame. Shame's not really even the right word, but it's, 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 Mm. it's devastating. Like that's the, um, that's a choice he made, but, um, he's going to have to live with it and he's going to have to suffer the consequences and he should suffer in jail. Yeah. Well, and that's why like they, they give out life sentences for these kinds of crimes, right? Because it's a life for a life. (laughs) And so, you know, not only just with Riley, like I think about what Emma had to offer to this world. Like she seems like such an exceptional young woman, right? I mean, she wanted to be a NICU nurse. Like that takes like an especially incredible human being to like want to do that. You know what I mean? Like not only just like fall into that, but like, you know, a nurse in general, but like, let alone like that kind of challenging, you know, the, you know, um, part of healthcare, part of medicine that like you're taking care of these like teeny tiny little babies. Like that takes such a huge, that person with such a huge heart. Like she worked, she volunteered at animal shelters. Like again, anyone who's listened to this podcast for like more than two seconds knows like that is incredible. Like I value that. So like highly, highly than like anything else in the entire world. Like I love my, my, my shelter animals and so like like that was just like like that like for all of us right i mean i think about like the ripple effect that she could have had on like the world if she was able to go out there and do all this good and like that was taken away not only for her to like be able to do that obviously for her life and like not only for her family but like for so many Mm -hmm. other people whose lives like i can promise you she was gonna change Mm -hmm. i was i can promise you she she was gonna like absolutely change the world in more ways than one and she never got the chance to and that I mean, that's the, uh, that's why, like, like, I love talking about these cases because I really feel like it, like, they need to be mm-hmm. talked about, but I also hate talking about them at this point because it's like, it's like, it, it really, like, it takes away a little bit of the hope for, for, for these kinds of situations. So, you know, like, you know, just remembering Emma, like, you know, for her family's sake, you know, since Emma's death, they have discovered more about the life that she was living before it was savagely taken away from her. Emma's mother says that she got some letters after. After Emma died that detailed the kind of person that Emma was when she wasn't watching. The letters are from parents of Emma's classmates who said that their daughters had been picked on over and over and over again, but their daughters told them that there was one girl in school who always stood up for them, and that girl was Emma Walker. 
Emma receives a dedicated dog park with her name on it, a reminder of her love for animals, and Emma's family has also since raised enough donations to name a room in the local children's hospital after Emma, since, remember, all that she wanted to do was care for premature children. And finally, Emma's school has set up a memorial scholarship in her name. It specifically goes to students who want to pursue a career in the medical or healthcare field. Ugh, I'm sick. I feel actually, like, nauseous hearing that. And, you know, yeah. I think um, it. You, you said this earlier, but, um, yeah, she seems like somebody who really, really wanted to truly make a difference and an impact um, on uh, – you know, on people and bring a lot to the table and contribute to society in an amazing way. And it's just really just um, heart-wrenching to know that she never had the chance to do that because of mm-hmm. a somebody who was somebody who was supposed to care for her somebody who was supposed to care about her and 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 you know on top of that somebody who was dealing with his own issues and his own anger and Mm -hmm. hatred and decided to project that on onto her and 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 change her life and i and, and change her family's life and i think this goes back to this like larger narrative too of like you know it's it's and I'm not saying we don't know enough about Riley's background, but it's like making sure that people in our lives are getting the help that they need because you just don't know how mm-hmm. that could detrimentally change. You know, yeah. obviously hoping that you could maybe you know change their well being as well. But um, what was it in Riley that just led him to be such yeah. a hateful, angry, um, violent person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think about that a lot too. And like in cases that I, you know, cover, you know, not on this podcast, like in my full time job, but like also cases that I've even covered on this podcast that like, you know, like it does make me wonder, like for the suspects, you know, benefit, I suppose the perpetrator's benefit, like what, like was there one thing that really could have changed that like somebody could have stepped in at some Mm -hmm. point and said, you know, this, you know, young man needs a little bit of help. You know, this young man is off on a wrong path. Like, or maybe those signs never showed up, right? I mean, before it was too late, like maybe those signs mm-hmm. never showed up. And so like, but but it still makes me think like, you know, if, if somebody had stepped in at the right time, like would Emma still be alive? Like would, like would everything be okay? You know, would the two of them be in love and like living happily ever mm-hmm. after? Or would we be in the exact same spot? Like it's, I don't know. I, I like, I can't even think about that way because like my brain will just go in circles and circles, but I mean, you have to, right. I mean that like, that's why like I try to like live my life in like a way that's like, you know, t- like, you know, um, being kind to like, you know, everybody, you know, matter, no matter, you know, because you never know what, what, um, you know, what, uh, you know, what they're going through. And so that's, you know, I think that's, that's the, like, this is a great example of like truly just like, you know, reaching out when things mm-hmm. seem a little bit mm-hmm. off, um, and trying to like, you know, be kind to people just because. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I totally, echo what you say what you said about um just kindness and um you never know what kind of demon somebody's fighting or you never know to um you know people have had different different challenges in their life that shape unfortunately who they are different points not you know doesn't shape doesn't it's not doesn't define them but maybe there are you know ways that they were they were brought up or things that they were taught that they're still trying to like um fight or battle and and whatnot and it doesn't Mm. excuse any sort of violent behavior to be very very explicitly clear about that yeah right um Mm. but you know sometimes somebody there are people out there who i'm sure who have committed heinous crimes who you know do 
who, who lacked that sort of supportive environment and also were put in situations yeah. where, you know, they were almost, you know, forced or felt like they had to live a certain life. Um, not saying that this was the case in, in this Riley situation, but, um, you know, I, I do wonder what was going on behind closed doors in Riley's life. And, and, and again, yeah. I reiterate, um, does not change just how, um, just disgusting his actions were yeah well and like like also too like on the flip side like those um those you know signs may not have absolutely been there right right? i mean we don't know those like it could have yeah it could have never been anything but you know as for the signs of domestic violence you know they can be obvious to see from the outside right from where Rachel and I are sitting right now, but nearly impossible to accept from the inside sometimes. As often, those toxic traits can be softened with the I really love yous and the extra love you can get on the back end of those you know, toxic behaviors. But if you see those kinds of signs in your own relationship or in a relationship that involves someone you love, again, we're going to put that National Domestic Violence Hotline number in our on our website and in our show notes. That number is 1-800-799-7233. Well, that is all that we have for you this week. So, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. It is great to catch up with you, even though for this, like, really tough case to talk about. Liam, thank you so much for having me. I truly, like, truly enjoyed just getting to be a part of this podcast and um, just participating and once again in just conversation about cases. And, and um, you know, I think it, it, as local news reporter is one of the most difficult parts of the job, I'm um, covering these types of these issues. And to your point earlier, speaking with family and um, mm-hmm. um, just really kind of in just fully ingratiating yourself in these things that just are kind of unfathomable. But um, it's been really just, yeah, it's definitely, these are things that like need to be talked about. We need to, mm-hmm. we, people need to know that like uh, from domestic violence to, you know, from relationship, relationship violence to, um, you know, mishandling of guns, all these different things, like people need to yeah. know that this, these are mm-hmm. things that do happen in our world and they need to be um, mitigated as much as possible. And um, also just to spread, Oh, you know, awareness about this, this young girl, Emma Walker. I mean, she sounds like she was a phenomenal young woman and she should be remembered and she should yeah. be re- remembered for all of the reasons, you know, that made her so special. Yeah. Well, and that's why I, you know, I like when I started reading more about like the ways that the people were remembering her, I was like, I need to put this in here. Like, I <laughs> like the, the ending to the story cannot be young, you know, beautiful young woman gets murdered. Mm-hmm. You know, that cannot be the ending of the story, right? No. I mean, it has to be like, how are we going to remember her from this point forward and honor her and like, you know, remember the good parts about her that, like, made her so special that, like, really, that we all could have seen at some point. So, um, so thanks for saying that because I think that's really an important part of this podcast mm-hmm. um, that we don't just talk about. You know, it's not just here for for your entertainment. It's mm-hmm. also here um, so that way you all can grow something from this, right? And, like, and like, you know, take take something from these, you know, horrific cases and, you know, you know, maybe, you know, touch someone's lives because of it. And that's, that's, I'm hopeful that's happening. So I hope that's, that's what, you know, a lot of people are taking from this too well you definitely captured her well and um that was my big takeaway so kudos to you and kudos to you for this for the work you've done with this podcast it's um it's it's so great we were talking about this you know before we started recording but just um i love seeing people like turn their 
personal passions um, into projects of their own. And, um, you know, I think it's it's not always easy to carve out the time to do so when you're working a full-time job and a rigorous oh, yeah. job, but the fact that you're making it happen is amazing. So kudos, huge, huge, huge kudos to you. Well, thank you so much for saying that, Rachel. I really appreciate that. And thank you so much for coming on. And thank you all so much, too, for listening. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories, too. And if you are loving this podcast and are just wondering how you can tell anyone and everyone about it, the best way to do that is to leave us a review and a rating wherever you are listening right now. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we will see you next week for another episode of Crime Over Why. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.